Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And out of you? No, I'm really relaxed on Wednesday. We're all talking while the music is playing because we're so excited to be together. That's right. The gang is back. I know. Happy Lucky Friday 13th. The gang is back together. I feel like it's been a few weeks since we've all been in the same room at the same time. It's been so long. It's been too long. I know. And we're all catching up on what's happened. My daughter graduated um, from college while I was gone. Thank you. Very exciting. I feel very old, though, because at some point you can't lie about how old you are once you have a college graduate. Unless you have some weird do- Doogie Hauser, and so, and you know, I'm the, getting not old. that, not that, in, like for myself, I have a daughter who's marrying age, but she's not engaged or anything. But I am now at the age where I can be a grandparent, and that's uh, oh, that's I, kind of a threshold. You're way that's past kind of that. a forty moment. in Utah. You can easily <laughs> be a grandparent. I'll throw down on that. So I have a blended family, and I love my blended family until I point out that last year. Chris's middle son had a child. Who so you I, are Grandma Mara. I now. am, and so Grammy. I'm suddenly like needing to differentiate. Even though, frankly, you know, I'm old enough. You're to Grandma. Oh, yeah. See, so sweet. Do you You're have sweet. a grandma name yet? Because some people want to pick it for themselves, but I feel like it has to naturally just happen. I went with my grandma's name, which was Mama, because she was from New Orleans, and so I'm. That's cute, I'm Mama. Mama. Yeah. Mama. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, well, Emma. I'm not ready to pick myself a grandmother name just yeah, yet, so I'm going to wait. It's not, yeah. yeah, but I think we're all officially in the category in Utah where we could have many grandchildren. Yeah, and Utah could have been 20 years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. We could have really been, been in, that, in that window. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no. I, but it is, those, are, those are those threshold moments where you start to feel older. Yes. Greg, what have you been up to since we haven't been hanging? Well, Do we, should we know? Yeah, no, just... Uh, what I've just been I've been busy, but we had I had a spring break that was a week earlier than you two, so I missed that. I, my scheduling was poor, and I was I missed our. our I know uh, you sent us pictures of eating ice cream. I was at in Cove. I was in Beaver County. I was also at Cove Fort. They really built that fort well. Those pioneers, <laughs> they, they really planned that sure well. There, you know these. You read about the American frontier and all these wooden yeah. forts where the Indians would catch them on fire. That thing's made of lava rock. There is no catching yeah. that fort on fire. They were ready That's for anyone and anything. It's it was a good very plan. impressive. I was very impressed. All right, look at you doing history yeah, and so learning. Yeah, I like to that. go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, weather's not great there. The, w- the the furniture is almost like a dollhouse. I mean, people were a lot smaller back then. Like we have grown <laughs> as a you know species we're since Co Fort was all the rage. I mean, that mm-hmm. stuff looks like it literally looks like Munchkin Land, but the fort's well fortified. All right, that's good I'm information. Here to, I'm here to report. And Mara's got her sexy voice here. Have you I you've do. been busy? You've moved into your Very office. Very sultry. Into the office. We've I, I we've already downloaded on spring break. So now yeah. we're just you know we're in lacrosse season. A couple more weeks of school left. Just living my best life. I am in a weekend state today. So let's let's judge how great. That's why the voice me. the voice is, is, is cold ridden. We She's <laughs> a super spreader in. The that's podcast right. I have room. triple COVID, and I yes. just thought I'd visit Greg today. Yeah, All the funny. important people are getting it, that, by the way. Governor, is, it's been announced. Now the Speaker of the House is getting it. Now you. It's, oh, Brad Wilson has it now, too. Yeah, it's COVID. a domino effect. All important people are getting I it. I would assume after there were some fairly big events this week that there were a lot of people at that, I mean, not 
I think the whole term super spread event is kind of silly, but the, I mean, like yeah. when you go to things and you're sick, they spread. And I love that everyone's trying to pin down whether the governor made people sick or somebody else. And exactly. I'm like, doesn't virus matter. is going to virus. Who cares? Yeah. And it just it's doesn't just matter. It's just a flu at this point. I don't even know why we're testing anymore. If you feel under the weather, stay away from everyone. Unless you're Mara. Are then you judging me? You're not, judging not, me. Yeah, now she's, she, already, she's, she's Mara, healing, yeah. but she's in that leftover where you may yeah. have a cough for where two Where I'm weeks. not sick. I just but don't I, know yeah. the point. Everyone's like, I have it. I have a scratchy throat. I'm staying away. It's just, it's just not. Your hypocrisy I'm so is over like it. dripping off of your right Hypocrisy. I'm over it. Sick. I'm just over you it. You get sick. You're hanging out. I know. I'm sick. But I'm just saying I'm over you. this whole COVID thing. I'm done with it. I don't even, I don't want to test for it. It's, it just put it in the category of flus. We're done. Well, I think we're doing the payback thing for how much time we spend away from each other and wearing masks mm-hmm. because it seems like there's people everywhere right now where I work with and at home and at school and everywhere you go that are sick, not necessarily with COVID, but just any Run of the mill. And now we don't have, our, we have our gunk. Yeah. Filters so built it's time up. to start licking doorknobs again, <laughs> well, doing our best to. Comedian uh, George Carlin, and I would not recommend watching a George Carlin comedy skit if you if you hate swear bears. However, George Carlin had this hilarious skit about germs, and he talked about how as a kid he swam in the Hudson River, which was a river of feces. And so he is, yeah, he is now immune. He's now immune from every disease. He was. He's now passed. But he was. he never got sick because he had everything. Growing that. up, swimming in that oh. river. All right, it's a good plan. Well, if you're listening to us, we hope you're well. And if you're not, we hope you're snuggled up with a nice blanket listening to our lovely <laughs> podcast about some hard issues over the last On couple Friday of weeks. Friday the 13th. I know. I was dying last week because um, it was an insane week uh, work-wise, family-wise with everything going on. And Friday, our podcast day was Cinder Hatch's funeral. I think it was a beautiful service. But we were live for seven hours that day, so we could wow. not podcast. Uh and there was something big that happened last week. If you heard, the Supreme Court had a leak. Yep. Much like viruses are going to virus, mm-hmm. leakers are going to leak. Uh, looking back, uh, right, actually, before we look back, because I think at every everyone at this point knows what happened with uh, the Supreme Court, but they met yesterday in person for the first time since the leak happened. We don't know what happened behind closed doors, but we do know that since the leak has happened that they've said that the marshal is going to get to the bottom of who the leaker is. We do know that they're going to release some more decisions on Monday. The question is, will this be one of the decisions or will they hold off to when it normally would have been, which would probably be June, maybe possibly July. Uh, Greg, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, do we know who the leaker is at this point? It feels to me like there's not that many people to choose from. Yeah, it's it, 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 we've learned since this leak happened, unprecedented, by the way. I don't care what anyone says about leaks in the past or hat tips or whispers. This Nothing like this has ever happened before. A, a draft uh, opinion from February brought out, uh, printed in the Politico, Politico magazine for everyone to read. Uh, this is a violation of all of their processes, all the confidentiality, and people want to downplay that, or at least some do, and we shouldn't. We, we can't let this become more of a circus. We cannot let these institutions, with the important role they hold, uh, be compromised that way. And I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care if it's right or left, because uh, we don't know who did it, but it cannot be acceptable. And it can't be acceptable that the consequence of that, as we're watching play out in real time, is the mobs forming or the people, the protesters forming around the, you know, gathering around the houses of conservative uh, Supreme Court justices. Uh, it's meant to intimidate or meant to try and convince them to change their vote because they're so upset with what the outcome is, is or what they're reading the draft to have said. It's all unacceptable. It's not right. Uh, there's two schools of thought. One is that the conservative 
clerks leaked it to help galvanize and keep the votes on, you know, on the side that they were at the time of January. My brain February. can't wrap around that version, but I do know. I, we I don't know. I don't either. But that's that's one version of it. The other one is that because the Roberts Court and Chief Justice Roberts has been very concerned about the legacy of the Roberts Court, and he's he's called an institutionalist. It's one of the reasons why they say he did not overturn uh, Obamacare because it was the it was the you know, premier uh, legislation of, of Barack Obama, and he didn't want to be the court to over you know, overturn that landmark legislation. Uh, there's been other decisions where it, it has at least been narrated by court watchers that Chief Justice Roberts has been worried about the role of the Supreme Court in history and has not wanted to rock the boat too much. So the leak was meant, I believe, and this is the other theory, to persuade that if you overturn Roe v. Wade, you are going to cause civil unrest like the world has never seen. So please, Chief Roberts, convince at least another one, another conservative justice to switch that vote and to keep Roe v. Wade in place. So, Mara, that's do you what think I that's, think they're trying to do. Which which way do you think is happening? Is there something that makes sense in your brain where you're like, okay, this is why they did it? You know what's interesting is I agree with you all on that it doesn't intuitively feel like it would come from the conservative side. But one thing that surprised me is that Nina Totenberg, who is the NPR um, reporter that has covered the Supreme Court for like 30 years, mm-hmm. she's and, and I find her to be a reasonably straight reporter, she said that what the rumor mill was was the conservative side. And I have to say, I was just so uncompelled by... The conservative yeah. side. It was. It didn't feel right. I will also point out that Greg and I agree on this. I think that um, I really hold the Supreme Court as the last bastion of neutrality. Yes. And I think that just because we, the pundits, call them conservatives or liberals or Democrats, or or I think by and large there's an earnestness about their deliberation. And absolutely they have philosophies, absolutely. Um, and I hope we're not seeing that eroding. I was disappointed that the justices beyond Chief Justice were sort of commenting about it. I hope they don't comment about that. I do hope, um, I, I'm a big supporter of uh, Justice Roberts, in part because he really believes in the quorum. The quorum, he's known for building consensus. He's known for spending a great deal of time trying to craft something that has universal sides to it, even if it has a, a strong point of view. I don't I don't think they're going to release it anytime soon. I hope they don't, because I think we have to stop the fervor for a minute. I think if it gets released, it just builds and builds and builds, particularly in the incubation um, that is the midterms. The only thing I would hope is that the, that the protests around the justices' homes stop. would stop. Sure. I, if it, if this is going to continue, then I think you just have to get this through because I, I don't think that's acceptable. I, it's actually against federal law to attempt to intimidate, and you can decide whether you want whether that's an, an attempt to compel them to vote one way or the other. But we have federal laws that are pr- supposed that to protect the judiciary. That should be the one the sacred place we have in this world, you know, where you can go home to your family and yeah. it doesn't have to be your job. And yeah. I know that we have First Amendment rights, but that bothers me too. So the interesting part is do we think we're ever going to, if the marshal inside the court figures out who it is, are they going to tell us who it is or will we never know and we'll just move <laughs> on? I, I would like to think that we will find out who it is. And I will say for the record right now, I don't care what side of the spectrum they come you. on. I am livid that this has happened. It's a disgrace. It's wrong. Yeah. And you want to talk about things that undermine our foundational institutions. What happened there 
is there's no version of it that's okay. It is it is wrong, and it can never happen again. And I would agree with Greg. It is not hard to go on record of saying it doesn't matter to me who ends up being that's right. the culprit. That's how I feel. That this is a is a breach, and I hope it is dealt with universally. Correct. Um, yeah. As as inappropriate and unacceptable, and I have to imagine the justices feel that way as well. I would hope so because, like we said, you know, when we go through their confirmation hearings, it always seems so right and left and right. so political. And I think the way that we deal with it in Congress turns political. But I think most justices, when they make it to the point where they're being nominated for the Supreme Court, uh, they've come a long ways in their career. Uh, I think they take the law seriously, and they different, you know, have different perspectives of how to use the law. But I think. They take those decisions seriously, and I don't think they're going in there as a politician to make it, it seems to me, on most occasions. Well, and it's hard not to conflate, but you can't conflate the issue that they're ruling on, Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. which clearly has layers and layers of controversy. You can't conflate that with the process of the court. And I think what we're speaking to is the process of the court. We need to be united on what we expect. Now, my my wife Krista says that knowing who killed Jimmy Hoffa and where the body is 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 a higher... higher percentage chance of finding out than who leaked that she my wife krista does not believe we will ever know who that person is she laughs right so she laughs at the thought that we think also just not to be too but apparently the marshals have no investigative skills i mean like i don't know that they're the right yeah no they might have to call in the the fbi or somebody because sometimes um investigating your own family is a hard thing to do too and I've seen stories out there, too, and it's hard to know what to believe, but maybe the Politico reporter was connected and had been friends and taken pictures with a clerk there at the court. Who knows if that just happens to be something that happened and isn't connected, you know. So I hope they do get to the bottom of it because, to me, it undermines, I think, a very important part of how our country runs and works. And Well, here's the question that will be asked forever. What does that decision ultimately look like, and how much does it veer from the February That's draft, right. and then why? If it If it is a day and night different decision, then there will be some that think that they were rewarded for leaking that. And that conversely, document. if it's the same, some people may say it was for the pressure. I Correct. Mean, it I, is I, a bummer isn't it that terrible? this, this isn't it critical terrible decision. That this is, yeah. yeah. And it I has just think been absolutely bastardized. More extreme than what you come up with at the end, because we've talked about John Roberts liking consensus. And so it seems to me that the justices would come together and whatever comes out in the end would probably have a lot more of a fine tooth comb that went through it and... But now, know. if you do but now that, now we're scrutinizing the change <laughs> as much yeah. as we're scrutinizing now if the you, ruling. If that had been its normal incubation, which I agree, uh, Heidi. But now, if it, you do that, it looks like well, look, it was successful. We were we were by leaking it, well, we were able to moderate their position, and that it will just it just it will lend credibility to and something. And I think that's it is credible. hard because this is a ruling that I'm following closely and deeply care about, and I disagree with overturning Roe v. Wade. And so it is suddenly more complicated in an already incredibly complicated issue. Yep. It, it, I don't think people will be able to take that decision, which, by the way, I do think that it's not a decision of abolishing abortion or leaving it available to everyone. I think that going back to the states, the states will structure these things in a responsible way if the draft is anything close to what ultimately so comes out. See, Greg and I both got our but, opinions in. But, yeah. but, here, but here's what I am actually appreciative that we could talk about the process because there's a lot of people that want to dismiss the discussion of process. They don't even want to talk about it because they don't want. They think it's that we're taking the eye off the ball. No, that's a real serious issue in and of itself. And, and so I'm glad that we're, we're speaking about that. On what they're going to decide, I think that is uh, wh- whether it's settled law and was even available to be uh, overturned or how the states are involved or what that's going to mean going forward. Um, anyway, those are 
the, I think all that's fair game, but none of it are we going to actually be able to speak about in terms of its merit because of this process that's been Which violated. Which is frustrating. And we should I mean, we will talk yeah. about it, but there's always going to be these questions. And Utah does have a trigger law in place uh, ready to go, which largely bans, I think, what people would say personal choice abortions when you're talking about rape, you're talking about incest, um, the health of the mother, and I think severe defects for a baby. Those are the, the instances that would be allowed in the law. Uh, there's definitely time to change it. It could go, you know, more extreme to one side or to the other. Other states have laws ready to go. And at the same time, we have other states ready to say, you know, they're willing to open up, I guess, tourism dollars for a better way. I don't know how to put it. Um, $40 million in grant money from, from California if people need to come to California for abortions. Amazon saying in every state in the nation they'll pay you $5,000 if you have to travel or have expenses for an abortion. So we're seeing a lot of interesting things coming out from states and from businesses Um which I guess are probably shaping the conversation as well. Have you heard anything that makes you think, you know, this changes anything outside of the court? No, I mean, it certainly doesn't change anything in Utah, right? I yeah. mean, we have made it a, 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 a rule to sort of reiterate our stance on abortion for years and years. And, um, and, I, and I, I will say we always have left out. Uh, we, we have not, I'm knocking on wood right now, we have not gone into crazy town in terms of I, I mean I, I I believe it's still restrictive I believe it is the woman's right to choose but I will say I don't feel like we've gone into some really crazy stuff mm -hmm. that I do think is going on right now that is just politics on top of politics and you saw Governor Cox this week saying hey listen I the rule as written in in um, Utah will suffice for our trigger law and we have an expectation I hope Utah and I think this is going to be a through theme for me on this podcast but I hope Utah um keeps out the increasingly crazy rhetoric at a national level and at least stays with sort of, yeah, you know, and our I, And I think you can, that crazy you can talk about from both sides. I think that these late-term abortions, which if you look at the, I mean, Bill Maher, he does the, the more left-of-center show right. on HBO. He came out with a statement that until this leak happened and he stared at Roe v. Wade a little closer, he was unaware that in most of the world, um, you're not seeing abortions in the ninth month, and and, right. all, and, and in the United countries. States, we're not seeing abortions, and we're not. But we do month, have it. So. We do have late-term abortions that are legal in this country. But and there's such a small percentage. But I just don't want those. I, my my point is, I don't think grade. it's well. Actually, <laughs> the former governor of Virginia was arguing absolutely for uh, no. He was arguing the afterwards. right of women to define their but own. I'm just saying, if we history. can just keep those late-term ones from being the case, I think we would join the planet. Uh, in terms of humanity and, and doing but the Craig, right thing. But, Craig, if that was the Republicans' position, I think you'd find consensus. There is I consensus. Think you can find, I, I mean, the Nobody was really arguing Roe v. Wade until they kept pushing the envelope later and later in the pregnancy. No. That's when I got back into Don't the issue. Don't discredit the, the right here. Roe v. Wade is being overturned because of years of evangelicals who have used this as fundraising and used this as rally cries. Like, there there wasn't a practical application problem. Yeah. This was turned into a movement. It, it might be right, but I will tell you, I had, I had looked at that as an issue that was settled, and it wasn't one of these big front-burner issues as I right. was a public servant. Where it came back onto my radar screen and where I began to care about it more is I began to hear about the push for later-term abortions. And I thought, my was gosh, we York? can't. It, I feel we like can't, there was one state it's that was not, trying The other to push side's the not stopping. The other side yeah. hasn't stopped and gone settled. They're still pushing on and on and on, even after the birth of a child. Uh, and so I just... 
it got me pulled back into that issue because it seemed like the other side was yeah, pushing that I'm, envelope. I'm never Even gonna, if it's extreme. I'm I never going to buy happened. with you that the discussion happens on the extremes. The, the consensus in America is really there, right? It's mm-hmm. in the 80s that people think there should be access I to think, some. I and think the rule Most people understand that. that a matter of viability and women's choices is, I think, pretty mutually agreed on. But this issue is being driven continuously by the extremes. And the extremes, I think, continued in the Senate as well because they, they're they working for an effort to codify it into law. And if I read the law correctly that they had the vote on, it was kind of a preliminary vote, but it failed 49 to 51. Uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia sided with the Republicans, but it seemed to me like it kind of just opened the door to all abortions no matter what at any week until I think you know, this the was a political weeks. tactic intended to just keep people on the record, right? I mean, yeah. this was a, a political stunt. But it was extreme, too, I think. It, so was, it was a little bit... If they want, yeah, I don't know. I always like to see, you know, them voting on something that would be realistic, and I don't know if that was it. So anyhow, we're not going to solve uh, the issue of (laughs) abortion here, much like people like to think. This always drives me nuts when I read Twitter and Facebook. I've had to just walk away from it because everyone thinks that their tweet is going to change the other person's, you know, point of view. And so far in politics and issues like this. Tweets rarely change people's minds. Maybe Mm. they do. I don't know. Um, Utah GOP primaries are coming up dangerously uh, close and fast. It is May 13th today. June 7th, I think, is the day that you can actually get your ballot in the mail. And so sometimes when you're thinking the primary is not till the 28th, that's way too far down the road because people can start voting when it's on their countertop. I like to let mine simmer and, like, get a few things spilled on it first. But June 7th is when it happens. All of a sudden, we're hearing um, about the debates, and Utah has a debate commission that was formed in 2013, and all of a sudden this week, um, GOP chair Carson Jorgensen's coming out and saying, you know what, maybe we should be in charge of our own debates because it's only Republicans. We'd like to be in charge a little bit more. Does this make sense? Greg, you're going to have to hold off. We're going to let Mara go first on this. For Republicans to have some... Greg on this and say, I hope hope that Speaker Hughes shows up and not not cray cray town (laughs) Greg shows up because I think this is insane. So here's a couple premises we just can't buy. The, the Republicans in Utah don't get a fair shake. That's been a problem. I mean, is there a problem that we don't have enough Republican discourse? So just on face, we're one of the reddest states in the nation. And so this this act of, you know, oh, I won't get a fair deal. But what is more offensive to me is Utah has done a few things really right. And one of them I do think is vote by mail. We did it right. We, we always need to improve it, but we did it right. We actually do talk to each other. You hear stories of Speaker Hughes saying, no, I called the minority leader and we talked. We do talk to each other. We're You're small to enough to know each other. with you by saying nice things. I'm just saying. Okay. So <laughs> the other thing is this <laughs> debate commission is bipartisan. It is driven by many media outlets. Um, their executive director is is a neutral person from the media world. Even their co-chairs are former elected. And I just think the strength of this, it's a rare moment in which I do think it's valid. I do think there's an earnestness about it. I don't think there's bias. And the irony, too, is what he's objecting to is a is a primary election that only has Republicans in it. And so you're like, well, what, what were you well, going to ask one of everybody's them? everybody's Republican now. I don't know if you got the memo, but They're everybody's switching over, remember? But I just think this is another example of the party, the Republican Party has let the RNC, the national stuff, gunk, 
just seep into Utah. And I'm like, just please keep it out. We are better here. And I think that the debate commission has worked. I think it is a bastion of sort of neutrality. I don't think any serious-minded person thinks that it's problematic. And I just ask that they keep it, they, they keep the vitriol and the rhetoric and the headlines away from this and Kay. and keep the RNC. Okay, so Before a- you get to go, though, I want to <laughs> ask you a, a, a specific question. Is this possibly coming from Republicans because they're trying to cover for any specific players or politicians who don't want to take part in the events? Incumbents, perhaps. Incumbents. Or is this really they have issues that they want on the table? Tell me what you think this is and it, tell the truth because we've got a lie yeah, detector. I, it, it might be. It might be pr- incumbent protection. You could you could cynically look at it that way. And I, I don't know. I'm not inside their mind, so I don't know. But is that a possibility? Yes. Here's the other one. Here's the other possibility. Of all the great things that Mara said that we do right, some of which, um, anyway, I, I will just take, I will accept on the whole your, your premise that Utah does a lot of good things. Here's what Utah has not done right and has actually led to the cynicism that you're seeing. Uh, it's certainly within the Republican Party. When the Democrats don't want to put a Senate candidate up as a nominee and they want to get behind the independent candidate, when you see the mass recruitment of Democrats to please re- register as Republicans so that you can be in the in the stronger party and have more of a say. It is not unreasonable to think that the Republican Party, who has a platform, just like the Democrats do, and wants the party to stay closer to its platform and what the party is, starts to worry that an independent commission or something that they don't have an attachment to or help can create, help create the debate formats, the type of questions, there's a, there is an insecurity there because you're seeing in Utah this migration all to one party. Um, I think that's I think that's a consequence to Democrats deciding we're not going to have a we're going to actually reject. It's not that we're not going to find a Senate candidate. We're going to reject our Senate candidate statewide U.S. Senate candidate. We're going to go with the McMuffin guy, but then we're also going to join. He's not even the, going to be in these debates, yes, right? You add that plus you add the the recruitment to register as a Republican, so you can vote in that primary as well. So, Greg, and what that's they want to the cut off is three Republicans up. talking to the so, electorate. Sure, because they want they want to make sure that the questions that are asked are more are closer to the Republican platform and the issues that we advance and we're going to be advancing in our primary and into the fall. So, the suggestion so, is the commission asks non Utah based. Non-Republican-based so questions. So I, got, I want a chance to. A- but I mean, like that's question, what you're saying, let right? Me, let me finish the whole point. Right. Okay? And I know it's a little right. belabored, but just give me, hear me out. So you have some concern about that, and so they're squinting at and staring at the Independent Commission Debate Commission a little closer than they have in the past. I'll just say this: in 2020, when I ran, I participated in a, a Republican primary debate commission and had no problem with it. Didn't even think to complain. Okay, so I, I don't think there's any problem with it. But the debate. I got to tell you, it was pretty vanilla. It really wasn't the barn burner. You know where the best debate happened. Ooh, now you're just trying to flatter me. I'm not. I am going to tell you that primetime KUTV debate was lights out. I don't think any – if anyone in Utah didn't see it, go look it up at YouTube. I'm telling you, it is – to have Rod Decker and yourself ask questions, follow-up questions, even interview every one of those candidates prior and, and put them under the, the lights and ask them hard questions – there is nothing that I experienced in a campaign or a debate that compared to that. So what I'm saying is protect the debate commission if you want. I would rather see some smart ideas on how to get debates on prime time. Let some journalists, let some others put a debate together like you did in 2020 for the gubernatorial race. I just think on quality. I don't think the debate commission is bringing us anything that's better 
than what we could get otherwise. And so I, I don't, I don't well, oppose. It's not a matter of it being. I don't better. oppose the parties there. having some involvement, and I don't oppose the idea that we get away from that debate commission and start looking at some of the other uh, sponsors of debates that I think have done an incredible it's job. It's not either or. They're not saying I'll only go to one or the other. I mean. Heidi wasn't shilling for the Republican Party. No. She was just asking the questions she thought were relevant. And your they were pre- better. Your they were, premise they were is better. that the debate commission is shilling no, for somebody that's not Republican. I didn't say that. I, I just said I, I said I can see where there would be concern and worry about that. But that's one issue. But the other one is it's not doing anything that's it's, – it's, 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 it's vanilla. Do some, get some debates that are real. Get some debates that actually get the fur flying. They I do think a that good comes job, but I think what the difference is what we did is we went after not went after, but we sat down with each person and each person individually had some issues that they dealt with in their careers that we wanted to get answers to say why did you do this and just kind of dig into that because I think that all matters on the resume. Uh, the debate commission, I think, does a great job. Um, I don't think they're partisan, and I think they ask good questions. But I do think sometimes it doesn't get to the heart of they're generic. Real, yeah, they are generic because instead That's of talking about the real issue that one candidate has or the other, they're trying to ask That's questions that are more but general. But I do yeah. think voters are hungering, and I think the best we way do to decide hear them. is hearing from candidates. Yeah, even I mean, and it's only one forum. Some candidates don't do well in the forum and that and I that's think unfair. I think ducking a debate is pathetic I I, I love debates and I, I I welcome them I think that every candidate I think that the harder the debate the more prepared you have to be which is what you want in your public servant anyway so get make sure it's a hard debate I just think that it needs to really drill down on the specific issues of those candidates and it needs to be better than the so you just the, want the debate the commission vanilla. to be tougher. I just, I, I just, yeah, I'm just, I just thought, I'm not, li- I don't think but it's lights out. But are you buying out. into the notion that somehow there's a no, bias No, but I, I, read, I read Republican uh, Party Chair Carson Jorgensen's concerns and thinks that he, they ought to have some involvement. I do think he the questions. He knows nothing about this cycle, though. I he think has the so questions that should be asked of the, of the Republican Senate candidates should, I, I think that their participation would not be a bad thing in terms of asking questions relevant to Why do you the think party? he released this to the press instead of just calling the commission? Because as of Wednesday, he hadn't even spoken to the commission. The party just released this to the press. That seemed weird. It does seem weird. I, and I, I do I hope that I everyone no shows up to their debates um, and debates. Yeah. I think the people of Utah deserve to hear from them. And I hope that there's more than one conversation. I know there's ones that go on in front of smaller groups and in different places. We've mm-hmm. been trying to talk to candidates on the Take Two podcast with bonus episodes. But I do think that conversation is important because as much as we all like to think that we're involved, I know I personally don't have time to yeah. go to any of the meetings they're having in the park or go sit down and ask those question and answer sessions. There's a lot of people are so wrapped up in, you know, their lacrosse or their soccer or their momming and piano lessons that their only chance to hear from the candidates really is to listen to these debates. So I think it's important that they happen. So the worst thing you want as a candidate, having speaking from experience, is the, your fear and the thing you fight against every single day once you get into a broader primary or general election, not the convention, caucus convention cycle, but primaries and general elections, is you don't want to be misrepresented as a candidate and you don't want to be misunderstood. If you if you can if you believe that people understand what you're saying and they don't agree, there's something that makes you feel at least if you don't earn their support, you understand that at least they didn't they rejected what it was you yeah. were trying to say. But <laughs> yeah. but if you feel like you are being misrepresented yeah, or that true. you are that you're misunderstood or you're yeah. being misrepresented, it is it, it is it's crazy. And so I think a debate gives you the opportunity to be understood and to not be misrepresented. But you better have a debate format that allows for that. And that's what I don't see a whole lot with the 
with the debate commission. You I think, are again, splitting the baby on this. You have no problem a, with the debate a, commission. It's a nothing burger, Your that one. Get some just, good debates in this there. This was bad form of the Republicans. I don't think so. I don't think and so at all. I will say it's the party. I, I want to be clear that it's not the candidates because you've had several candidates who are like, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm showing up at these debates. I think, I think the Republican party. And definitely the non-incumbents party, are itching to get their time oh, they on are, TV They are pointing talk. out yeah. that they will yeah. be there and on time. The incumbents are probably like, with I'm all the games okay. being played with what it means to be a Republican, I think the Republican Party is is well within its right to want to be more involved in these debates because being a Republican is trying to be blurred by the Democrats right now. Okay, I want to talk about what it means to be a Republican right now. So I've listened to several speeches. Mars is a Republican. I'm shaking she, my head. Well, she may be. Did she switch when uh, Jim DeBacchus asked her to? I feel like you She does everything true. Jim I don't asks. do much that Jim DeBacchus <laughs> asks. <laughs> Well, uh, I was listening to a speech, and I forget what speech it was. It was a couple weeks ago from President Biden, and I was listening to him. And if I were a PR person, I was thinking, okay, he's hitting a lot of great notes. He's really talking to the American people. He's a president for everyone. And then he started into the MAGA, but he was calling it mega and then MAGA and MAGA. He couldn't figure out what to call it. You can't mispronounce if you're mocking. Yes, (laughs) but he he keeps doing it, and it seems to be the choice that they're using leading up to the elections to talk about MAGA Republicans. And my question is, uh, Mara, I'll let you go first on this one. Is this good PR? Because you kind of do PR for what you do. Is it the right way to get people focused and excited about the election? Because it seems weird to me that you would be using MAGA when that obviously is connected to Trump. Right. Uh, and I would think that as a president, I want to wa- talk about myself. I want to yeah. talk about what I'm accomplishing in my yeah. future because the old president's not the president anymore. So first and foremost, the a backhanded comment I will give is no one out snarks Donald Trump. So just don't go into areas where people are experts. And Trump is an expert snarker. So just leave he that. I totally that. take that as a compliment to I him. I know you I do. do. And I I'm sure he, he does too. And he is so the like, MAGA king. So he he's okay is, with that. He, <laughs> he, he just lives in this muddy world. And Biden's not good at it. Right? But... First and foremost, it's it's a repeated mistake over and over because it doesn't. I think I, I think it doesn't scratch the itch, itch that politicians have of wanting to scrap it up a little bit. But absolutely, the Democrats' only shot at gain here is to point out their achievements and to point out what they'll do. There is no gain in snarking at a guy who's not even in office. You might as well just put a sign up that says, you know, Trump owns me because there's yeah. just it, it's not a good strategy and. Joe Biden, I say, because he's lovely, can't do it well. He can't pronounce it well. It felt forced. What was interesting about it, um, sort of from a strategic technical background, is that he had his press people support that. They were like, yeah, that's the plan. Yes, we meant to do that. Um, do I think sort of Trump deserves it? Do, does it speak to me in terms of how I feel about Trump? It does, but it's the wrong messenger at the wrong time in the wrong way. So from a strategic point of view, it's bad. I think you're going to see the party apparatus hopefully continue to pound the Democrats about the fact that you all better lay out your record, lay out what you're doing, lay out where the gains are. And from my seat, they have some. They they better start pounding it because when the economy is bad, it's hard to be the person in office. But but no, you can't you can't outsnark Donald Trump, so don't try. Yeah, and it just seems odd to me too because I think that and maybe I'm wrong. I believe a lot of people voted for President Biden, maybe not because they lit a he lit a fire within their soul. They were like, wow, you know, he's the guy for the job. But I think they were thinking he'll be fine. He's not President Trump. Maybe things will like be a little more chill he was on supposed Twitter. To be the grown up, little, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think that 
maybe if you voted for him thinking, okay, we've got the adult in the room, mm-hmm. you're like, why It's are you against doing this? brand, right? Yeah, like, so like, it just eh. seems weird. So I don't yeah. know. Well, the other part is, I mean, when he was elected, I think one of the first messages he attempted to convey was, this is America. Okay, we had a, we've had an election. It's been a tough one, but we're going to come together. And he was known in Congress. or in, I mean, there were a lot of people that were arguing against supporting Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders because they felt like Biden was the adult in the room. He was the one that could bring people together. And, and when he was elected, you heard that kind of message coming out. Now, both Donald Trump and Biden, Trump was in the 70 million something votes. Uh, Biden's at 81 million. Those are both the, the totals for both of those candidates are more than any presidential can winning presidential candidate has ever received in American history to whole cloth take everyone that voted the 70 something million people that voted for for Trump or to suggest that they're all MAGA crew and that they're the most violent and dangerous people in modern American history with some of the violence that we see going on and everything else. It is a statement that is an exaggeration. It's not true. And it has the effect of alienating 70 plus million voters which isn't on brand as you as you described it. It's not it's not appropriate. It it makes you feel like this is a president who's advanced far enough in age that he's given talking points, he's given things to say, and it's not the same guy he was back when he was in the Senate. I don't think you feel I mean I, I'm not quite feeling I think that, he's, but I think it he's is not interesting there. that if you watch Upstairs. the tape and you watched the sentence the before the first MAGA or manga or whatever he called it <laughs> yeah. before the first insult. The sentence he was he was putting forth, which he did pretty powerfully, was about the fact that there was a deficit um, increase every year with Trump, and he brought it down by three hundred fifty um, million or billion or whatever his thing was. Yeah, but billion. the thing is, none of us know that because yeah. the news cycle just has grabbed this. So while he was making a case for Democrats, because he also decided he would do this little stunt. We, we aren't even talking about the case he was trying to make for Democrats. Yeah, and I think we'd all way rather at this point be talking issues than just talking, you know, talking smack, smacking points. Because when I read even some of our local politicians who are running right now, they have a lot of snarky tweets about, we got to fix this, or this is broke. Like, just like nasty things about everyone likes to retweet because it's cool to retweet. But I'm like, okay, well, where do you stand on the issue? And how right. are you going to change this? And how are you going to make it better? And that's the conversation I want to hear right now and I want to hear it coming up to the next presidential election so to me it's slightly frustrating I'm just like come on guys yep. all right speaking of more bad news um <laughs> we've been waiting for this. it is Friday the 13th I so know I guess it's, it is it's the right the time to but the good up. news is with bad news there's always somewhere that we can go that's better but mm-hmm. uh the CDC has started releasing some of their preliminary numbers from the last year and there's been bad news on multiple fronts where I think people have been worrying that it might be like this, but not knowing until the numbers actually came out. But overdose deaths, 107,000, um, those are the provisional numbers from 2021. That total translates to roughly one U.S. overdose death every five minutes, and it's a 15% increase from the previous record what was set the year before, which was the original year of the pandemic. So the numbers were going up already, but increasing to go up more. And at the same time, we're seeing gun deaths jumping, but much more significantly by 35% in 2020, and that's a 25-year high. Uh, the CDC right now at this point is saying that 
there's some things that need to change. Uh, they say that we need more housing assistance, child care subsidies, tax credits, green spaces. This is their prescription for the problem. But the problem is we have these problems. Uh, Greg, I want to start with you. I know because you guys can get along so well on the issue of guns. No, don't even yeah. say it out loud. It's just, I know. I'm, I'm within arm's length of her, and, and this is an issue she cannot speak today. about. She can this be? Really can, can is this just a gun problem, or is this? It's not a gun problem. I, I, I hate guns. I just want to outlaw them. Every time I'm sitting within arm's length of Mara Carabello, I, I hate guns guts. Okay, I just want that on the record. <laughs> that anytime you, I'm near you from now on, I don't even like guns because I. <laughs> I can see your hand, and it's too close to my head, so I will not even go there. I'll tell you this. This is the sad part. There's not going to be a law you can pass that's going to solve what's going on right here. You've heard it from a, do- a bunch of different places. You've heard from principals where kids are coming back into school, and is, is there the separation, as the masks are coming down, the, the discipline problems are escalating like they've never seen before. You're seeing, I even think Will Smith walking up on that stage and smacking Chris Rock across the face has something to do with the fact we haven't been – communicating and speaking to one another as human beings for a while, I think that there is going to be an incredible amount of psychological and emotional turmoil and baggage because of what we've lived through since the early part of 2020. And there's not going to be a law. There's not going to be a subsidy. There's not going to be a housing program that's going to solve this. We have to just inventory it, describe it, let people understand what they're going through and what's happening because society changed for a long time. Good and bad, we can we could have that debate. We always do, but I'm just saying, reality is, uh, we're not the same as we were walking into that because of the separation. I think the depression, all the th- all the things that CDC pointed out. I think you can point out you can point to the consequences that happen when we are removed from one another but and going we're through mostly, what we did. I don't even know if anyone officially says we're in endemic. I'm going to claim that we're in endemic, that we're done I like with that. the I full pandemic. That. We're sort of in endemic. Do you feel like this is a light switch where we can flip it off and kind of go back to where we were? Where we were was not good. I mean, the gun death numbers were bad. But do you think the end of the pandemic will get us back to it, or is this going to be years I, it, of fixing? It gives, I think it gives us a spot where we can say, okay, we have to improve. But we have to understand what we're seeing and what we're seeing. I mean, even people getting hit by cars. Um, vehic- I mean, every there's just all these weird stats that are coming out that there's are so lot. much higher than they've ever been before. And I'm I'm telling you, I can't ignore the the madness that we lived through since 2020. And, and so I think that we are seeing a normalcy, and I think we don't have any other choice but to be to begin to put our lives back together and society back together. But we're going to have to do it with eyes wide open, knowing that we've got challenges with all this that we've lived through. It's it's real, and we're just going to have to identify it, define it, so people are maybe more conscious of it. But don't look for government to pass a bill or spend money that's going to fix it, because I don't I don't think it's that easy. So, Mara, is it um, the gun laws we've been talking about you for see decades? How I said that, that without guns. Why do you that keep going nice. back to guns? I because said everything but guns. I know, but I want to ask Mara because Mara thinks about things differently. Uh, so the she, question is, trying, do you want to hold hands to, during this part? Do you need you. gun laws, or do you go with what the CDC says? And maybe the problems come because people need more housing assistance or more child care subsidies or tax credits and green spaces, of which not the green spaces. I don't know that we built any new parks um, during the pandemic but i do think that families have probably received more assistance and care during the pandemic yeah. than otherwise did so i don't know if that fixed the problem or if there needs to be the more cdc's fixing. direction was a little too vague i mean it was sort of everything what i appreciated about it was there what we all keep saying these are interwoven they're interdependent they're intermixed um i i i, I sort of agree with greg i'm, I'm gonna start with guns because i'm, I'm kind of mellow today about I it actually totally avoided um, this but i i 
think an important statistic is the greatest um, percentage of gun deaths were suicide. So that makes sense after the in this year. What what attribute not completely there were there were gun violence, but um, and street violence, but suicides are becoming more and more problematic. And what we know is if you live in a home with access to a gun, you're three hundred percent more likely to commit suicide. And it makes sense on face, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's you're having a crisis moment and you have access to a deadly weapon. Yeah. I do think there might be. This is my only nod to gun laws. Out of all of this, I agree with Greg that it's not a legislative issue, with the exception that we have not, because of the ras- the veracity of the gun debate, I don't think in earnest we've talked about suicide. I don't think we've been able to say, is there is there anything we can do um, from a legislative point of view? Have we been inventive on it? Um, and it's hard to have because when you talk about any form of restriction, and in this instance, it could be an insistence that it's locked up. No, it's not perfect. Laws aren't perfect. People will still do it. I think there is a legislative conversation to have around suicide, perhaps. When it comes to the greater issues and the fentanyl issues and cutting really extreme, severe drugs, I I agree with Greg. I think that it's a time for leadership, and I really want to look to community leadership right now and not yeah. legislators. That's because true. I want legislators to jump on board. I want my elected official to follow it. But we used to have tremendous other podiums available to us, and we need to see those podiums step up again. Mm-hmm. I think one outcome is that we're much more apt to talk about mental health this year than we were five years ago. And so... It is an integrated problem. I do think we need marked leadership, but I would like it to be outside of the confines of normal political rhetoric, and I would like some community leaders to bring the politicians along to where the citizens want to go, which is we have to start talking in America about the stress we're living under and that our kids are under. And the stuff that was percolating under the surface really came up during COVID. So I, I will say it is time for action in my mind, and I think it is time to have coordinated planning. I mean, I will give, Greg had a shout out to this when he tried to tackle homelessness a handful of years ago, in which I think your point of view was I got to bring in a lot of people. I just think it it won't be led right now by politicians. They need to jump on board. They need to show their support. They need to be in the second row, not the first row. So I think um, we're in crisis and we have to change. But I, 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 I'm looking for community leaders. And what I'm, what I'm learning as I just get older in life, and I'm not a public servant, but I'm just kind of watching what happened, what's going on right now. When government gets involved, I believe, this is my opinion, that if, they, if, if politicians land on what they are, have been convinced is the solution and there's a funding formula for that, then everybody maps to that. And that is not what you're talking about, Mara, where communities can identify, and it might not necessarily be a funding issue or a money issue, but if you have money that's attached to a certain act or a certain way of doing it, yeah. everybody maps to that because there's money attached to it. And then whether they even think it's right or not, there's dollars available. So you go to that. I would rather see instead of government coming up with a funding and its theory of what should happen right now, you have community base, you have your faiths, you have your you have your service providers that are that are out there. Business people. You have business people. I, I think much of this should be handled in ways where it is not expecting and it is not requiring and it is not it is not dependent on government coming up with a funding model and a, and a program that everyone needs to follow. Now, I will think there, there will be a path for government there to support, but it should rather be identified. One of the challenges I find structurally is that I think really good 
legislation is narrow because narrow is effective. And when you find very, very vague legislation, it tends to have unintended consequences. So narrow legislation is effective. And yet, as we've already decided and the CDC has decided, this is a complex intermingled process. So you don't start out with the narrow definition. I would like us to have the longer one. And then government can look at it and say, you know what? We could do that. We could do that. And you would find in a way to effectively overlay laws instead of leading by law, you sort of identify it. I do think it's in critical, but it'll also require the elected officials to take a backseat and listen for a second. And we haven't done that very much in America lately. We really have who has the pulpit, yeah. who has the money. Um, so, And I think they're human problems, and I think listening is the base of it, whether you're listening to your kids at home when you're otherwise busy or you're listening to kids at school or listening to people at work or on the sidewalk. We just really have to fi- figure out that human connection. Um, I know we've had a lot of drug problems in our homeless um, in Salt Lake, and that's been some of the problems. And speaking of that, I was walking on a street I don't normally walk on. You kind of have your streets you usually go to. Right. And instead of walking on Main Street the other night, I walked on State Street because I was following, um, I think it was a Planned Parenthood protest that had started at the Capitol and walked down to Washington Square. And it was a street that I, again, somehow didn't have my eyes open to. It's right by where I work. And I was literally like walking with my mouth hanging open, seeing uh, the drugs, the homeless problems, and the sheer like lack of humanity there just yes lying on the sidewalk that people were stepping over um, on State Street, and it made me sad. So um, I know it's a problem we've been talking about forever, but I think they're all interlinked, and we've got to figure out what the fix is. And like you said, I don't think money always solves our problems. So I hope we can figure it out because these numbers are not pretty, and I know that during the pandemic everyone was hopeful that they weren't going up. But And I think that in real time while we're trying to figure that out, we have other challenges that are happening in real time as well. So you've got – I don't think there's a border. I think that the – The human and drug trafficking is happening at a higher rate today than it was happening in past years. I think that is going to have a negative consequence on the country. But even I-15 in that corridor, there's no way we're going to not feel what an increase in human and drug trafficking is going to happen uh, to the country through our state. And uh, I think that's a problem. I think there's just, there's a lot of challenges we're going to be grappling with. Getting a lot of our fentanyl from China too. But I'm going to tell you, call the the shot, understand we're in those tough times and start talking about it more openly because it's not all rainbows. And solutions are achievable though. I Mm -hmm. don't want to get to the point where I really do believe we've seen communities. San Antonio is doing an amazing job with their homeless. Like there are programs that work. There are things that work. We are not at the point in Utah at all that the numbers should overwhelm us. We're lacking leadership. We're lacking um, multidimensional, and we're lacking people who are willing to take risks and make decisions. I think that's been our problem. If you see people, if you see a government warehousing human beings, and that's and they're saying just want, just let everything go, all rules, you know, no holds barred. We're just going to warehouse you. Here's your section of the world. Go kill yourselves. Go do whatever you're going to do. That's giving up, and that's that's that is what we can't do. Yeah. And that is warehouse human beings in an inhumane way. We've got to do better than that. And there's I, a lot that that's where they're falling back to. They're just trying to create sections I of town or, or places and just letting it go. And it's not going to go well yeah. that way. I found us surprisingly civil today, I think. I know. I know. Which is it is your cold thing. or is it I'm, your... I'm in a weakened state. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Maybe we're shocked. just happy to be with each other again. It's been a while. The, the problems band's are back. so big. Yeah. That, you yeah. know, we just got to be nice back. to each other. It's good. So we hope if you listen today that you leave this podcast and go figure out one little thing that you can make the world a better place. It doesn't have to be hard. You can smile at someone. You can be helpful to someone that you normally wouldn't. You could vote Republican. Oh, see, I ruined the big mm, love in, didn't I? I'm I happy, just ruined it. Oh. I'm happy to vote in your primary <laughs> Oh, see, I am happy to vote touché, in your primary. Touche, Mara Carabella, touche. <laughs> 
does she have to have changed her? Um, of course. Yeah, by like, now, yeah. When I was seven, I yeah. had to have changed it's it. When you're seven, if you, if you haven't <laughs> thought about it before you get into the third or fourth grade, you're toast. <laughs> well, I'm glad the band's all back together again. Uh, we'll discuss more interesting topics okay. next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. Tell your friends about us, and we will talk at you on Friday.